I'm going to throw you off again. Oh, no. Because this is the eighth episode of the Season of Checkup OVA. Hello. And <laughs> the game we were talking about came out in 2008. Oh, no. Eight and eight. Also, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be like a week and a half until the 10-year anniversary of this game coming out in the United States. Holy crap. How are we this good with timing? We're not. We're not. It's just very good luck. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII episode, just real good luck and timing and all that stuff. If you, if you listen to that Final Fantasy VII episode, you will know the game we were talking about if you paid attention in the first, like, five minutes of that episode. Yep. Anyways. <laughs> this is the Season Anime Checkup OVA, episode number eight, where we have conversations about, like, anime, video games, and manga, because that's kind of fun and helps open it up for other people to, you know, talk about as well. Which they don't really do for this because they're mean. No. How dare you? They don't like us. They don't. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I'm Jared, joined as always by venerable co-host. Oh, upgrade. And Ladium, hello. Hello. We're going to talk about Lost Odyssey. The we are. The game that came out in 2008 for the Xbox 360 of all places. Mm-hmm done by Sakaguchi and the Mistwalker Studios and I guess also in part by Microsoft as well because who if you read that uh Final Fantasy 7 polygon piece there is a uh, there's a section on there about this game's production and yikes <laughs> <laughs> that did not sound like a good time at all nope Just, oh man but I mean it is the man, the myth, the legend, the mustache, Sakaguchi in charge. So that's very true. Uh, I mean, if you're Microsoft, you're probably thinking, "Hey, the the original Xbox, not the Xbox One, the original Xbox, because you can't call it that." Didn't really sell well in Japan. The 360s not really selling well in Japan. Maybe if you get this guy and get an exclusive JRPG for our console, maybe that'll help sell this thing. Spoilers: It didn't. It actually did better in the West. Yeah. Which, well, yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense because people had 360. Yeah, but, um, a way larger install base in the West than in Japan, for for sure. It didn't do terrible, but it didn't do great. No, it's just, it's just they didn't have... The 360 wasn't selling in Japan. That's, that was the big right. problem. Right, and this did not help. Which, I mean, Microsoft consoles in Japan have not sold well at all, full stop, going up right. until you know the present-day Xbox One, so... That's just a problem in and of itself, but yeah, Lost Odyssey. Well, and it is a tragedy if they haven't played this game, because it's great. I, I re- it's, it's real good. I remember hearing about this game a lot, because I remember it was like, oh, there's this huge JRPG coming out for the 360, and it's four discs, which is like, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. I mean, this was back, you know, when I guess like... Konami was saying they couldn't release Metal Gear Solid 4 on the Xbox 360 because it would take like 20 discs to make that game work. Yep. So it was like, oh, yeah, multiple disc games. That really shouldn't still be happening, but it is. Oh, and you don't have the physical version of this. So no. let me let me also explain to you that when you buy Lost Odyssey at retail, it comes with three discs on the spindle and one in an envelope. Wait, they didn't. Not- That's how it was packaged. Oh my god. How? I, I'm not joking with you. You have to remember where I worked at the time. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not discounting what you're saying. I'm just like Why? Yes. Yeah. I mean, get one of those like CD packages that has like the 1 2 3 4 like back and forth. Do that. <laughs> Don't put one in a sleeve. Or like- that's how it's packaged. I mean, I mean, they'd have to like have room for the manual because this was back when you know manuals actually existed, and it wasn't just yeah. like a plastic sleeve to go here. Go to our website. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I mean, there are DVD cases where like there are two like disc holders on both ends, and you could put a splindle in between there and one, two, three, four. Yep. But then that wouldn't leave room for the manual. I don't know. Just put a cardboard box around it and stick the manual in there. There you go. <laughs> Problem solved. Microsoft, why didn't you come to me? For this 10 years ago, I would have solved all of your problems. So that was how it was packaged. It was it was beautiful. And uh, we've already discussed it had crap box art for the U.S. Yeah. So I'm sure that didn't really help matters. But um, can I just say I have a subtitle for this? Yes, you do. Please, for, please for this episode. hit me with a subtitle. 
Jansen doesn't wear out in bed. That is our subtitle. We are sticking with it. You cannot change it. You're going to have to remind me when I do all the post stuff for this. Man. <laughs> Man. <laughs> they will not get it unless they play the game, but Jansen is best character. Oh, man. Period. Full stop. End of story. You're, you're not wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but I'm still not over that subtitle. <laughs> Uh, I couldn't say I don't wear out in bed because that just sounds inappropriate coming for me. So I had to clarify that it's Jansen who does not. And in context of this game, completely accurate. Right. And you know what? It it needed comic relief because... It did. Holy sh**. For those who don't know Lost Odyssey, it is the story of uh, an immortal, Kaim, who um, has lived for a thousand years. And uh, he gets into some adventures with other immortals. <laughs> but throughout the game, there's this like visual novel style piece. Uh, was Thousand Years of Dreams? Is that what's subtitled? Yes. Okay. And it's just these really, really depressing stories of like how immortality is is tough and how it can sometimes be uplifting and sometimes it's just like the most horrible thing to ever exist. And it's one of the few games that I have legitimately, like, had to stop, put the controller down, and just cry. It's it's brutal. And, like, a lot of those have, like, just great writing in them, which is real surprising. Because mm-hmm. you would think, that, like, these are just going to be little fluff pieces just hidden nah. in. But it's like, oh, this is real good writing and storytelling. And, oh, yeah, they're going to be real emotional, too, and just punch you in the gut repeatedly. I warned you before you got to the white flowers one. Oof. Because that one, in my opinion, is the the hardest one. But you know, they were written by a Japanese author. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a writer. He's a novelist, and they par- brought him in to write them. Which that's a, uh, that's a smart idea. Like, right? Don't get someone who's like writing the video game part of it. Like bring someone in who actually knows how to write in that style. That's really and smart. It, it's beautiful. I mean, it is hands down like one of the most emotional things that I've ever encountered in a video game. And I know at first when you were playing it, you're like, wow, there's a lot of these uh, like right in a row. But I think it's kind of like to get you introduced to the character. And it, it really does help. Yeah. Because otherwise, Kaim, when you first get him, he's kind of like blank. He's just like this doll guy. He's like, oh, I'm just here, man. Like, think kind of like a a squall type character. And that he's just kind of like tough and ready to go. And that's it. Like, he, he doesn't have he doesn't have a whole lot of like emotional strength going through. Like, he's not showing, showing any of these emotions. So you kind of have to use these in order to get to know the main character that you're playing as. And doesn't say whatever has like a cool gun blade either. <laughs> I could talk about the whatever, but we're not going to do that right now because that's a whole different story. Can I love Squall. I will defend Squall. Um, anyway, can we what? Can we, before we move on, can we talk about the Lost Odyssey commercial? <laughs> oh, man. Because um, A, it spoils a bunch of like the cutscenes for the game. It does. It straight up does. Uh, it actually spoils like one of the big romances. Yeah. And it spoils like the main villain. Mm-hmm. Because uh, like it's like that reveal is like right there in that commercial. Yep. I was like, oh, well, I know who the villain is now. <laughs> Sorry, that was my fault. I showed you the commercial, but um, I was like an hour behind that anyway, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. It. It's. <laughs> So, if you haven't watched it, you should probably pause and go watch it. Definitely, um, definitely do that. But make sure you come back to us because well, <laughs> you make us sad otherwise. But um, the commercial is is set to White Rabbit, which is this is this is two thousand eight. So it's like the like that that period when like all video game commercials have to have licensed music. Why does this game need White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane? Why not? Why not? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't 
lyrically fit. I mean, I guess the sound of it fits decently, but um, it spoils like every big cutscene. Um, probably because they're like, we want it to look as pretty as possible, and there aren't that many right. like full-on cutscenes. And it's not like you're so. gonna like show gameplay of that for like you know a wide audience. That's gonna sell them on the video game, which is weird yeah. to think and say, but that's <laughs> but kind of the case. Nice. And uh, like, and just like the like the um, just like moving around in like the world and like the the areas and stuff. It's like that's not really that action-oriented or interesting to look at so no i mean you have to like go and kick every pot and every trash can and every tree and that's still gonna make me crazy by the way that i missed something somewhere in the world i mean aesthetically for a game from 2008 like it's really pretty it does have a uh, lot of like brown tones, which fits that era as well it does oh my god it does but there's there's some like some of the characters have very bright colors on them, which is different. That's true. And at least it's not like the entire party is like generic, like brown haired dude. That's just Kime. He's black haired, excuse <laughs> you. And sometimes he wears earrings. Uh, yeah, and also like rabbit ears. You got that nice long bang just hanging on his face the entire time. Dude, how do you how do you handle that? I was like constantly moving out of my face. (laughs) (laughs) But like Cook and Mac have very bright designs. Actually, Sarah has bright design too. Yeah. Um, Seth is still kind of like a tan color. Seth is still a tan color. Well, you do have the brightest character of them all. The man who runs around in freaking gold armor for no good reason the entire game. The king. The king. Turd king. Yeah, Turd King, he's he's the worst. Like, I've seen arguments online about, like, the kids being the worst characters in this. And, like, no, I like the kids. Story-wise, I really, really like the kids. There's one part of the game that irritates me. But, you know, they're not your generic annoying kids in an RPG. They, they have story plots. They actually hold their own. Like, they're good. They save your life a few times. Spoiler alert. They're fun. Um, They're fun. And then Tolton's just like, I'm here. Oh I'm man, I got I got duped by the, the main villain. Whoops. Hey guys, what's up? The only redeeming thing about Tolton is his armor. And just stealing and all of his equipment. Yeah, steal his equipment, steal his skill skills, and uh get rid of him. Uh actually no, there's one other thing, and that's his bromance with said the pirate. Yeah, that, that's literally the only like good redeeming character thing that he has because you don't expect it like yeah. Seth is like this like gruff old pirate guy and he's kind of like a butt to him at first and then by the end of the the game he's like oh you guys like each other a little bit that's <laughs> nice and it also gives me hope that like maybe Tolton won't kill him for being a pirate in the future <laughs> so there's there's that hope for me <laughs> <laughs> Because that would be a bummer that it's like, well, Tolton's king now and um, Sed's going to die because he's a pirate. And then he also has the real dumb thing in the ending as well. Oh, oh, man, he is the freaking worst. He he just party crasher. He's like, I'm, I'm going to be the minister for this wedding because I'm the king. I can do what I want. Oh, by the way, uh, while these two are making out, let me give this nice speech for y'all. I'm the About king. About being a king. Like, like, what uh, are you doing? Scene stealer. You drama queen. Go away. I don't I don't like the king. He can... Thank you for giving me your sword, king. But now you can just go sit in the corner and be level 49. Not even the coolest king in that game with gold armor. No, no. That's the thing. Is that, like, at one point you get, like, great, great, great grandpa that wants to fight you. And I'm like, he's so much cooler. He is. Like, it's ridiculous how much more cooler he is. <laughs> He's also gold. Can we switch? Way cooler gold armor, gold horse, all gold earthing. The ultimate attack. Ultimate attack, which never gets used after that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I mean, like, come on. He's so much cooler. 
Although I sent you official art of Tolton before we started this, and his long flowing hair is <laughs> ridiculous. God, he looks like such a turd. <laughs> he is a turd. I guess, like, in terms of the actual story, it's good. It's not, like, the best. Yeah, it, it gets like, a little cliche, I think, near the end. It does. But I think that's more in terms of, like, like contextualizing the actual end of the game and, like, how you have to make the mechanics work for, like, to have a final boss in the at the end of that game. It's like, oh, we kind of, we have to make everyone mortal again or else none of this would work. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, I, I guess if we want to talk about, like, the end of the game, like, some of the end of the game stuff, just, like, mechanically, I think that game kind of falls into, like, a lot of the same trappings that JRPGs just do in general where, like, you think you're getting ready for, like, the end of the game, but it's like, oh, just kidding, you have, like, five more hours to go because you have to go through this dungeon, and then something else is going to happen, and you're going to have to go through another part of the dungeon, and then you think you're going to fight the final boss, but he's going to slip away and get away, and then you got to go to this other dungeon and actually fight him, but, oh, that's just, it's, a, it's a ruse the entire time, so then you actually get to fight him now. Yeah, it does fall into that, that JRPG trope, and um, I actually did comment to you when we were both playing it that like, I wish the final dungeon had been smushed together mm-hmm. and not split into two because it was a little annoying. But man, it had some boss music in that final dungeon, so I was I was real stoked anyway. I didn't care. <laughs> it's, um, real, it's real weird. <laughs> it's great. It's really great. I love the soundtrack, which Uematsu does it, so... Um, that world map that- music. It's it's so Uematsu in like every sense of the word because it's like beautiful, beautiful orchestrated music. It's like kind of calming and world mappy and then like in the middle of it just gets like a shredding guitar solo and you're like, wait, what? It's like, oh, like, it's like, wow. I was like, all right, okay. But, like, that's so him because, like, he, he's really good at the whole orchestrated, beautiful music thing. But he really likes metal, so give him his metal in the middle of Lost Odyssey's world map team. <laughs> oh, man. But the, um, I think that's part of what worked really well in The Thousand Year of Dreams was um, some of his compositions um, really, really were able to drive home some of the emotions of those. I would absolutely agree with that. Especially like the one piano piece. Yes. I forget yep. the name of it. Oh, I know God. what you're talking about. <laughs> oh God, they hit you with the emotions with the one piano piece. It's and, like as soon as uh, that kicks in, you're like, oh no. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I mean, like they start you off with this one called Hannah's Departure, oh. and <laughs> yeah, that's the very, very first one you get to, and it's so like rough. This- it is. It's this story about this girl who is like an innkeeper's daughter and she's always like talking to these people and um, uh, Kime is one of the people that keeps coming back and like telling his stories and like it's all about her death and how Kime was there for her death and a lot of them are actually about Kime being there when people die and how he handles it and this one in particular was was pretty emotional because it showed that he did have emotions and did care about other people whereas some of them were not so much like that which is also strange because like you would think like that first one is going to set up like oh like just some talking about or like just maybe like a an event that happened to him but it's like it's no it's strange also in the way like you don't really have that side of his character at that point when you first get that because like so mm-hmm. far he's just like emotionless prototypical protagonist who's going to fight stuff because that's what he does. Right. And so that's one thing that I was saying earlier is that it kind of fills out his character in places where you kind of lack that in the actual story. But yeah, I know that you had some issues with the way that he reacted to certain story elements, especially like the death of his daughter. Um, Are you saying I, I thought it was negative or? Well, you were saying that, you know, a lot of the stories make him come across as like callous and kind of like um like stone faced in terms of the face of death and everything right. and then um when Lyrum dies he he kind of loses it but it's it's also just like it's a nice surprise because you're not expecting that at all right you're really really not and um 
It's, I personally love it, although the tears kind of... God, the tears in that game are so bad. They're terrible, but... Um, I think as well, like though, like as much of like as a good surprise it is, it is a strange tonal shift. Because mm-hmm. you just don't expect that from him at all. And it's just like, he's, he's getting... He's getting real emotional here. That's that. What yeah. <laughs> was happening? <laughs> yeah, he 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 really lost it. Which, you know, I was actually pretty glad. Um, in terms of things that I'm interested in, you know, I, I think it's a really good thing to have a protagonist who is allowed to show emotions, 100%. and especially negative emotions like that. Um, negative in quotations because you know what, a good cry is always worth it. But hopefully, it's not when somebody's dying. <laughs> Uh, and I think I, it, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but like I think that first uh, that first dream though it sets you up for like oh he's not going to be this like the same prototypical emotionless like emotionless person that's not going to like react to anything like this dude has like emotions he cares about people I mean it, we're not going to show that to you like in the game right now per se but like mm-hmm. we are we're setting this up to like when you get to that point it's not going to be like oh, like, this is completely out of left field. Like, you'll understand, like, oh, he's been there before. Like, he's shown emotion before, so it's not completely new and foreign to you. Well, and I think White Flowers was a good one for that because, you know, he even goes back several hundred years later after his family's death. And even though the event has changed, he's still, like, in mourning. Mm -hmm. And um, I still really, really, like, theory that all the rings on his hand and on his necklace are are like past wedding rings i really like that that head cannon that i've got there i'm sticking with it poor sarah you know what that still makes me mad that makes me so mad because they came together and sarah's great and but, why but what if like why? what if they all got like split off somehow when they came together and it took him so many years to find her again Okay, but he knew he knew Seth, so he I guess kind of did. Yeah, I guess so. He didn't really hang out with Ming. Yeah, like they all like all of them were kind of like doing their own thing for yeah hundreds of years. So maybe that's maybe true. that's just the case. But also at the same time, it's like <laughs> you just come <laughs> you come walking up with like twenty different rings. Like, uh, I can explain. <laughs> <laughs> well. So, for context, uh, Kaim and Sarah are married. Surprise. And um, so, throughout the story, you realize that Kaim has been married multiple, multiple times. Which, I personally have issues with this. Because it goes through the whole story of, like, Kaim has been married. Kaim has lots of kids. Da-da-da-da-da. And, like, you don't get any of that on Sarah's end. And you get one kid with Seth in a thousand years. And Ming doesn't get any of that. I guess as far as we know, because they don't really, they don't delve really that far into her backstory. No, they don't. Because like you only get one dream story with her, and it's at the very, very end. And you don't get any with Sarah. Yes, that is also true. Yeah, you get one with Ming, you get two with Seth, you get none with Sarah, and the rest are Kaim. Jerks. But um, you know, maybe maybe there's some story there that we're missing with like maybe Seth did have a lot of like cool pirate dudes that she was hooking up with or maybe sarah had some cool dudes that she was hanging out with and you know whatever that's what i felt like the the like the first seth story was kind of implying that she was kind of like that she would kind of like would like go that way because she was just like i'm gonna do whatever i want i don't care ah okay i get you but i mean that's just Um, that's just me kind of you know projecting so like that could be completely wrong who knows yeah it was just a little weird to me that it's like well kaim Probably has syphilis and whatever. <laughs> but because uh, if if you're like counting through the story, like he's he's been through a lot of relationships. Um, but, you know, at least I guess by the end, he he's all about some Sarah. So Bone Zone 2. Uh, Bone Zone 2. It is the next thousand Google. years. I like it. I like it. it, it you're all right. Like it is kind of shit out there. Just like. Oh, Kaim just gets to go around and have all these relationships and bang all these women and have all these kids. Like, as raunchy as that sounds, but it's like, oh, the women, they don't really get to do that. No, and I mean, like, I understand that they're doing it partially to show, like, the emotion of Kaim, but um, 
you know, it's it's a really weird way to to set it up, like that that all of all of um all of his story would be based on like his his relationships and like kids and um wives or travel involved with his um mercenary life. And so I guess maybe that would be my complaint is that you don't get as much backstory on the other immortals. Right. Because you would think that, like, with Ming, with her being queen for a thousand years, someone would eventually be like, hey, you know what? Maybe you should get married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that never really seems to be the case. No. So, I, you know, I, it just maybe it's a really different world. I don't know. But it, it just kind of reeked a little bit of sexism. But that's just me and my, my hyper analyzing. So speaking of sexism. Jansen is great. <laughs> Jansen God. is best character. Let's talk. Let's talk about Jansen, aka best character, aka <laughs> never wears out in bed. Never wears out in bed. <laughs> God. Aka best singer in the game. <sighs> wow. That part. Wow. <laughs> so. I mean, with Lost Odyssey, like I said, you really need comic relief. And you would think that, like, maybe the kids would be comic relief, but no. It's Jansen. It's Jansen. Jansen, 100%. Jansen is the best character. He's the best mortal. He's the best immortal. I don't care. I love Jansen. Which is which is, which is funny, too, because, like, the, the setup you get for him is, like, he's a sketchy dude who mm-hmm. Gungora is hired to go along with Kaim and Sev to make sure they do their mission properly, essentially. And if they mess up, well, throw this tiny pebble at them and make their memories get all cloudy again. And like the day of when you were supposed to set off with the mission, <laughs> <laughs> you see like Kaim and Seth meet up and they're like, where's this other guy at? And he just comes stumbling out drunk and with four other women on him. Yep. It's, it's beautiful. And then not even like 30 minutes later, you're you're walking into like the first area where they're supposed to go. And this is where the infamous scene comes in where he's asking for a break. <laughs> and Seth is saying something about, uh, to the effect of him wearing out. He's like, well, I don't wear out in bed. <laughs> and it's just like nothing else in that scene matters after that. Like, I don't even know what happens after that's, that part in the scene because I was laughing so hard that that's what he cared about. Making sure she knew. <laughs> yeah, but he also is, like, the greatest character in terms of, like, story arc. Yeah. In terms of his growth and um, even lack thereof growth. He's he's great. He's so well-written. And I know that we've had this conversation. He is so well-voice-acted. Legitimately one of the best voice acting roles I've ever heard in like my entire life playing video games bar none yeah yeah I I completely agree like legit one of the best if I ever were to make a video game I would hire this guy I don't care that he hasn't done anything since which is crazy I know he's so good I mean like the subtleties in his voice Mm -hmm. are just phenomenal like the timing in it like the the sarcastic nature like with like the inflections and how he just says words and like there's ways to do like comedy in games and a lot of it is for the most part bad let's just say <laughs> especially when it comes to like being voice acted as well it's just kind of like straight laced and all that stuff but like he just felt natural like the way like he talked was more natural than like anything you'd ever heard before or even mm-hmm. since then and it's just it's crazy like how well yeah. that is or how well like that that guy did that voice acting is amazing it's legit like you're in a like with a real person in this video game. Like he is so well done. Even including that really awkward singing scene. <laughs> he does sing. He does. It's beautiful. He tries to serenade you with very cheesy music. It's so good. It's very, God, very good. You warned me, I guess in a way. You're like, cheesy music <laughs> ahead. And I was like, okay, that's strange. All right. And then that scene happened. I was like wow i don't think you can ever properly warn somebody about that scene no (laughs) especially because it's it's strange as well because like (laughs) this real cheesy song's playing 
and it's just Jansen walking by himself. So you're thinking like, what is he like just leaving everyone? Or I guess leaving the queen because it's him and her together. He's only with me. Yeah. Yeah. So like, is he just ditching her and going? But then like he just comes back and just starts singing, <laughs> like the actual song. Jansen, are you singing? He's like, oh, I, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. What? <laughs> what? Did you catch me? <laughs> oh man. Honestly, though, like if they have not played this game and they're listening to this podcast for some reason, just go and find that scene on YouTube of him saying that he doesn't wear out in bed and you will understand why he is the the best but legit like he's also kind of like a a voice of reason i guess is a good way to put it like throughout the game he's like why are we making this decision this is a bad choice like why are we doing this why are we going in there that's bad we should run running is good (laughs) running is a good option so he's he's kind of like a a good like player insert when you're like oh god you're making a terrible life choice here and he he legit will tell them you're making a terrible choice you know with how often um, he likes to he likes to use the idea of running away maybe he was a joe star in his former life oh he uh he also has the, he is the king of insults and in that he uh he calls the main villain lord eyebrows <laughs> i mean gungora does have a real ps2 looking face so Shots uh, it's fired. like a Crappy PS2 Guy Fieri. <laughs> With platform shoes. God, those shoes are amazing. And that's one word you could use. <laughs> like, they make no sense. It's like, here's like this giant pyramid that I'm standing on. <laughs> I don't know. Fashion. Oh, my God. <sighs> but, um, man... I love this game. I really do. Like I said, some of the story bits are a little bit weak, but the characters are all great except for Tolton. <laughs> um, the writing is phenomenal. The music's phenomenal. I cannot recommend ever that you go and do Max Secret Dungeon. I cannot recommend that because holy crap, what the heck is that dungeon? <laughs> I also cannot recommend you trying to get the treasure trove achievement because you'll hate don't your do life. Don't do that. Bad idea. Trust, trust me. You don't try and figure out which one treasure. Someone on this podcast tried to do that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, guess what? What? Still no success. God. I, uh, I... I found two items that I did not find the first go around, and I still have not gotten it. So does it does it have to do with like the invisible chest as well that you can find? I already found all those. Well, never mind. I'm just gonna shut my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I've found everything that I can think of, so it's got to be some missing item. But anyway, it will make your life. <laughs> and I am currently at level eighty. <laughs> With my immortals, which 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 uh, I guess for context, you only need to be around level fifty to fight the final boss, <laughs> and you get all the skills for the mortals at level fifty two. So um, everybody has all their skills. Uh, I'm currently having the immortals just learn piddly stuff like <laughs> evade up ten because I don't know what else to do. It I'm sitting here looking for items and. This is my life. This is my choices. Level 80. Level 80. I was 78 last time we talked about this. You were. I'm at level 80. God. (laughs) I'm the worst. Thanks, Mac. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Mac. It's all your fault, Mac. You you just wanted to have the spirit magic. Which is real strange as well, because, like, all the bonus dungeons that are tied to, like, a character is, like... The, the level requirements are a lot like 45 to 50 or something like that. It's like 40 to 50 in that range. And then Max is like 65 to 75. Yep. It's like... Which... Oh my god. I went in there and I had read up on it before I went in. And the, the boss for it was supposed to be stupid hard. And I'm like, oh god, this is going to suck. Like, there's not a save point. What am I going to do? You were, you were texting me before and you are like... Uh, there's no save point for this, so if I if I get wiped here, I am screwed. Yep. Um, I defeated him in like three turns <laughs> after I was actually able to like 
connect with him? Like, because c- you have to go through um, two walls of things before you can actually um, target him. Lame. Right. And so when I finally got to him, it was like three turns. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that was it. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. I was like, well, it's going to be harder for me to get out of here than it was to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> it was It was an adventure. That's, that's to say the least. Very anticlimactic. Uh, it was, um, but you know what? What can you do? And then I went and beat the game, and that was even more anticlimactic because he just I went on and, Gore and he was like, "Oh God, I'm dead." <laughs> it was like level seventy eight trying to do all these things, and I'm like, "Um, no, this should not be this easy." <laughs> I mean, even for me, like I was like fifty one, fifty two, and like the mm-hmm. bosses you fight before then were like not even damaging me. Yeah, no, they do like one HP Which is like, on you. Uh, I, I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to be overleveled for this, but okay. <laughs> it's like so. Tokyo Mirage Sessions on New Game Plus. Oh, right, right. Which, you know there's a New Game Plus for Lost Odyssey, right? I mean, I'm not surprised. It, at least they didn't have to like make that DLC to add it in. Yeah. Looking at you, Final <laughs> Fantasy Fifteen. Man, Final Fantasy XV does a lot of things wrong, and Square Enix puts out a two-foot fork, so... I mean, I think that's one of the best things they've done recently. It's bad when you think that a two-foot fork is one of the best things that a company has done for video games. Yep. I just don't even know what to say to that. It's an ultimate weapon. (sighs) You can eat all those uh, Boss Cup noodles with it. Sakaguchi, you are my hero. <laughs> and I'm glad you left that company. God bless well, you and your man. Did he really leave or was he kind of forced out? Okay, well, <laughs> okay. I'm just glad that Sakaguchi is no longer with Square and he can live out his great, great dreams of doing games like Lost Odyssey and surfing. Why is there a character in Kingdom Hearts that looks like Sakaguchi? You know what? Because Kingdom Hearts is weird. <laughs> okay, that's completely fair. <laughs> but there is. Uh, I'm upset because he doesn't have quite the fabulous mustache as Sakaguchi does. Uh, this guy has a good Sak- mustache. No, it's not but, as like, good, but it's good. You cannot beat Sakaguchi's mustache. You cannot. Like, even with all the fake mustaches that I just ordered put on top of each other, it cannot <laughs> add up. To Sakaguchi's mustache. I just want you to know that on Giant Bomb's uh, wiki page for Sakaguchi, there's a there's a picture next to his early life description that just says Sakaguchi surfing, and it's a picture of him holding a surfboard. <laughs> I love him. He's wonderful. With his mustache. I'm such a fangirl for this guy. Like, <laughs> honest to God, he could make like the weirdest games, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll take that. God, I want to play. I want to play this visual novel he made. Sakaguchi visual novel, that's... Yeah. Well, if it's written by the same novelist who did Lost Odyssey, then I'm in. <laughs> I mean, this game came out in... a long time ago, so probably not. Oh, okay. Oh, this, well, these games came out in the mid-80s, so I doubt it. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Anyways, Lost Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good, and I think that everybody should play it. Um, I mean... I know a lot of people don't like turn-based. They're wrong. They are wrong. Um, it's it's a well-done turn-based, and it's a lot of fun, and it's very... Um, like, you can customize the characters, the Immortals, anyway, in a very interesting way. The battle system's, like, it's got a Shadow Hearts-esque type system for physical attacks. Like, not necessarily full-on, but, like, there's a ring. That's the most similar part of it. Yeah. <laughs> you'll never understand how to get perfect, but you'll sometimes get it. Nope, nope. We went through the entire game, and I've gone through the game twice, actually, and have yet to figure out that perfect ring, so... um, you, It's just there. Sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. On. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's confusing, but, uh, you know, in terms of how the mechanics work, the immortals can learn skills from accessories and from the mortals. So you put mortals into the in the party... And you just link a, link them. I got excited when I said the word link. Shocker. Uh, 
I know. You've linked them so that uh, they can learn the skills. So you can have just like brutal, brutal mages and brutal physical attackers with your immortals. And it's it's great. Um, you'll always, always have one mortal in your party. Though. Unless you're really weird. And you're like, I'm going to put all the mortals in my party. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why you would do that. I don't understand why anyone would do that. Um, I, I've seen strategies of people who were like, take out Sarah and put in Mac. And I'm like, why? No, I'm not doing that because if Mac dies, he's dead. And if Sarah dies, she comes back in two turns. So no. And she looks like I you. Will... So obviously you're not going to take her out. Okay. You know what? She does look like me and I love it. So <laughs> shushed. I, I, I told Christy. Who, I love you, Christy. You're hilarious. I, I showed her, <laughs> I showed her a picture of Sarah, and I was like, "Hey, look, it's me." And then I showed her a picture of Kaim, and she's like, "Oh, you have a type even in video game form." <laughs> I'm like, ah, brutal. You got me. God, like that. The reveal, of, like of Sarah, I was like, "That's just Anladium." What? <laughs> <laughs> it was like so surreal. I was like, "This is weird." <laughs> She got a haircut, but that's her. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool to have a character that I'm like, hey, she looks pretty much exactly like me if I drew a mole on my face. That's all you had. To, that's all you had to do to cosplay her. It's like, uh, no, I mean, I actually have to like put on poofy pants and everything. But um, in terms of like physicality, I got you. Yep, I got it. I can do it. <laughs> Find me a time. Someone's going to get a bunch of tattoos and. Wear back armor that shows or whatever. His beautiful bikini armor that shows his lower back until he gets his cowboy gear. Cowboy time. God. Cowboy time. And his uh, fancy gear. <laughs> the, the ending with the suits is like the greatest thing at all time. And like we were both showing screenshots. Of, oh, you know what we should mention? The fact that accessories cover a, a cow. Go over into cutscenes. For the most part. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, there's some great shenanigans that happen when you have accessories on in cutscenes. Which is especially great because, like, for the most part, like, the Immortals, you'll be, like, shuffling accessories because, you know, you they learn stuff from those accessories. But for Mortals, mm. you're not really going to be doing that because, for the most part, you know, They'll probably be on the sidelines. So, like, you know, you want to put on a pair of upside-down glasses on Jansen for the rest of the game. That's completely doable. Oh, God. That was so good. I don't know why the glasses were upside-down. That was so weird. That's just but the way they look. It's I know, weird. I know. And they're pink, and it yeah. makes it so wonderful when he's doing, like, this dramatic <laughs> love scene, and he's got freaking upside-down pink glasses on. Oh, man, I love it. And, like, at one point... My Kime had, like, rabbit ears. I never found those. I was really oh, bummed. That's so disappointing. So it was it was good. It was really, really good. If I had found those, I would have just kept them on him for the rest of the game. <laughs> Cowboy Kime with bunny ears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, like, um, at one point, Sarah had on, like, a crown. It was, it was good. It was really good. More games need to allow you to have accessories that show just dumb, goofy stuff and cutscenes and in-game and all that sort of stuff. I agree. You know, the world of it, though, is just really, really interesting. It's very um, varied. I don't know if that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I, I can but, see that. You know, you've got... Even the cities are very different from each other. Mm -hmm. I'm like... Ura is very like golden and more of like a market. I was going to say it's very gold as well. It, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I. I, I ah. Tolton. And then Numara uh, is like this like white beachfront type place. Yeah, everything's usually like blue and white, and there's water going through like the city. And then Goza is Final Fantasy Seven. Midgar. Yeah. Uh, so you have a pretty big variety and, um, you know, you've got like an ice level and you've got, um, mountains, you got another icy level, you got a burning cave. Got this random town in like a forest area. Then there's like yeah. a creepy haunted house that was Kime's old house. 
Yeah, Kaim needs a housekeeper. And um, you've got even the <laughs> the the village for the little, um, what are they called? Oh, the... Gurkiri. The little, the little mushroom guys. Yeah, those things. I don't like remember what they're called, cute, though. <laughs> they've got a cute little village, and they, they've got, like, interesting log bridges and um you have the the poor little historian that you break his heart <laughs> you just literally go in there and like oh, i'm gonna take the seal later bye <laughs> he's like we've been preserving this for years it's so beautiful isn't it and then you go in and break it and he's like where did it go like, i'm sorry bub i feel you as a historian i do feel <laughs> you but i kind of need that weapon so bye but it was great, and um, I like that there is so much variety. I, I hated that there was a boat that took forever to get anywhere. Oh, God, the shoe. The shoe was, was bad. Um, I, I like the uh, the Nautilus, though. That was cool, because it was like a mech, but not really. Yeah, it was. It was, and um, you'd go underwater, and you could jump, even though I never used the jump option. I did. I don't even know what the jump option's for. You You fly. Ah, neato. <laughs> it becomes an airship. Um, why did I not do that? I don't, that's a great question. So it, it's it's a really in depth game if you allow it to be. I would agree with that. But it it does I think have some issues like we kind of said with like the ending being kind of atypical Pretty of sure. JRPGs. I I experienced some weird frame rate issues here and there that seemed real strange. I don't know if that was just because of the emulation. Of it being uh, on uh, Xbox One, being a backwards compatible mm-hmm. game and all that stuff, but yeah, that w- that was real strange. Yeah, usually when I would like enter an area and start off at a run, I would have frame rate drops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, that that was meh. Uh, I could live with that. Uh, I and you also have to con- <laughs> you also have to consider that it was from 2008. So yeah, yeah, I guess. Meh. <laughs> And also, we got that game for free, so really can't complain. Yeah, because it was free for I mean, a while. I guess we should we should point out you do have to pay money for it now. Yeah, and well, and I paid money for it once, and I paid for the strategy guide. You did. I did. So, you know that tells you something. But again, it was when I worked at a certain game store and got discounts. So, a game store with the initials of Game Store. <laughs> Holy crap! How about that? How about that shenanigan? We're just a good podcast of coincidences. That's, that's what I'm here to say. Uh, yeah, apparently. Um, we're really good at these coincidences. But um, <laughs> I I don't even know what to say now. You blew my mind. I, my my brain wears out. <laughs> that's just how good I am. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you can get these on. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, if, if you want to play these, get them on Xbox One. They're backwards compatible. You don't have to have the four discs or anything. They're digitally up there. This and I think Blue Dragon's up there as well if you want to play that as well. Which you don't like, but that's cool. I don't like the art style. So you, you just wouldn't like Dragon Ball Z then, so. No, I mean, like, I've seen Fine. Dragon don't Ball Z. W- don't like quality. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> I played Chrono Trigger and it has those cutscenes in the PS1 Beyond version. Yeah, the, the good version. Because it has load times. <laughs> Um, excuse you, but anyway, and the art style just bugs me, and I like it more when they look like this, so. Like real Lots human of, beings. Like real human beings, even though, like, Ming is still questionable, because what the heck are you wearing, Ming? What are you wearing? Good old boob queen. Boob queen, and, like, the kids look like bugs, and I love that. Like, their outfits just look like bugs. <laughs> Those big old bugs. Little bugs. Come here, grandkids. Let's be the bugs. <laughs> I'm looking at screenshots of Blue Dragon right now. It looks like it looks like they tried to make realistic anime, and that doesn't. That's not. Also, the mushroom things from Lost Odyssey are in this game, so I don't know. I'm looking at one right now. Maybe it's like their um, their version of like cactars. Maybe that'd be a weird thing to make a cactar. <laughs> well, mushrooms and cactus. They I don't know. Made, they, that should be the chocobos. Just get, hop on the helmet and ride. 
Well, chocobos don't really attack you. I attack, I attack them. Rude. I'm like, come on, let's fight. Also, Rude. forgot to mention this. Uh, so, Lost Odyssey was created in part, you know, with Miss Walker, and also Microsoft got Fuel Plus to help with the development as well, which yes. a bunch of the development team on that worked on, uh, you know, Shadow Hearts. Hmm, no wonder I like it so much. Which is, those are some games we should talk about on here on a future date. Man, I I love Shadow Hearts, and I would be so thrilled if we would talk about them. Just not three. That doesn't three exist. Does, we don't talk about three. We we don't talk about the America one. We don't do it. We can even talk about Koldelka. We can talk about that. I'm fine with talking about Koldelka. But... From the new world? No, no, it doesn't exist. Nope. Never happened. Nope. Never did, nope. never happened. But Shadow Hearts, one of the greatest game series of all time, period. Lost Odyssey is also great since that's what we're actually talking about. We're just going to tease like <laughs> new episodes for within current episodes <laughs> for, from now until eternity. People are just listening and they're like, oh, hey, which which thing in this are they talking about that they're going <laughs> to eventually talk about? Because we could be talking about Blue Dragon, or we could talk about Shadow Hearts. What are we going to talk about? Who knows? That's a great question. You're just going to tune in next time or, to find out. Or Chrono Trigger. I, I need to... That uh, that Chrono Trigger disc is still sitting in my PS3. Have you not beaten Chrono Trigger yet? Or maybe it's the Final maybe. Fantasy V. No, I bought Final Fantasy V digitally. It's Chrono Trigger that's in my PS3. I was playing it, and then I got distracted with other stuff. We're going to end this podcast now so that Jared can go beat Chrono Trigger. <laughs> I mean, I've seen okay. Chrono Trigger. Like, I've seen the ending of Chrono Trigger. It's not like I've never seen it. Which us. ending? That's a good question. Yeah, there are multiple. There are. There's a PlayStation exclusive ending. Yes, there is. Because it's got anime in it. <laughs> I mean, I bought Chrono Trigger just because <laughs> I saw that they, they put in Akira Toriyama uh animated cutscenes in that version. I was like, oh, cool! It's the Dragon Ball guy! <laughs> I'll buy that game! God. I was like, oh, there's this random Final Fantasy game with this. Whatever. <laughs> Even though that game's real cool as well, because you go to the moon. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's li- you- that was literally the one thing that got me to play Final Fantasy 4, was like, someone told me, it's like, oh, you, gotta- you go to the moon. I was like, that sounds cool! <laughs> And I play the game, and I got to the moon, and I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm good. I got what I wanted. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> if you're it's ever, just my if mission you're, in life to get you to play more RPGs. It's true. I mean, I... I many, you played more since you've known me. That, that's real. That's very have. true. Like, I mean, I spent, like, what, 20 years of my life not playing RPGs, so... Yeah. It's a good point. If you ever wondered like what we talk about before we start recording or anything like that, that's pretty much like what we talk about. And it's also like just other dumb stuff. <laughs> RPGs and dumb stuff. RPGs and dumb stuff. Yeah, it sounds about right. It sounds about it. Mermaids. And mermaids, that's also very true. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh man. Uh, so I hope they got something out of this about Lost Odyssey because I felt like it was more just me giggling. But um, Jansen is the greatest. That's uh, all you need to know. J- Jansen is the greatest. It's going to make you cry, period. Yep. You will cry. Yep. Go in knowing that. Um, it's a really, really fun game in terms of the battle system if you're willing to give it a shot. And um, the story is overall good but does have some cliches. I think, like, it's just, like, it's one of those games that people knew about back then, but probably didn't give it a shot just because, like, RPG on the Xbox 360, that sounds dumb. Who would do that? So, like, I'm glad they made it backwards compatible for more people to play it and all that. And I think think a lot of people should just give it a shot because, like, I think if you're like me and you really didn't have... I mean, I wouldn't say I had, like, no expectations going in, but I just didn't really know what to expect. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by a lot of the things this game offers in terms of, like, in terms of writing, especially. In terms mm-hmm. of just voice acting, especially. Yeah! <laughs> and just, like, you know, it's fun. Also, it's, it's worth mentioning 
who the voice actor for Kaim is because <laughs> we know him for two very different things. And I know him as Blue from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. So I was constantly sending you videos of it's hot in Topeka. Yep. <laughs> and but... then you know him. <laughs> I know him as everyone's favorite edgelord reaper from overwatch. <laughs> God. So, um, if you, if you enjoy his voice work, you will enjoy Kime. Which they're pretty much completely different than what you would expect with Kime. So yeah, well <laughs> he's versatile. For, yep. There you go. <laughs> That's one way to describe it. But it's really good. And, um, I mean, I know that I, I say that about a lot of stuff, but I legit do love this game. It's one of my favorite RPGs of the last generation, or I guess, can you? Yeah, it was the last generation. Yep. Um, 360 was a part uh, of that. Yeah, I just had to think about it for a second. Sorry. Uh, along with, like, Xenoblade Chronicles. They, they're. Lost Odyssey's really, really good. Um, it feels strange that, like, there wasn't that many huge prominent RPGs last generation. I mean there was a lot of them, but like not good ones. I feel like there's not that like many memorable ones per se. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, I completely agree with you and uh, as someone who like RPGs are my mainstay, it was very disappointing. So getting beautiful pieces of art like Lost Odyssey and Xenoblade in there, I'm just like, you know what? I'll, uh, good, good. I like you guys. Keep it up. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows the best RPG of the last generation was Persona 4 Golden, so. I mean, it's up there. <laughs> it's up there. Can't necessarily prove me wrong. I can't. I, I mean, I love Persona 4 Golden, period. End of story. Persona 3 is better, but. Ooh. ooh. Ho, ho. <laughs> That's a debate for another time. Which one has Akihiko Sonata? Persona 4 Arena. I win. Persona Q. I win. You know what? No, we're talking about Persona 3 and Persona 4. I'm. T- those are Persona 4 games and Persona 3 games. <sighs> <laughs> Which, hey, you know, maybe when we get closer to Persona 5, we'll, we'll just do a big talk about all the Persona games. All right, I'm in. Which one are we going to talk about, guys? Which one? What's next? Oh, my goodness. Tune in next time. (laughs) It's just going to be me talking about Akihiko Sonata and how he's amazing. I would give you the platform to do that. No joke. (laughs) No joke. I'd do it. I would totally do it. Lost Odyssey. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. That's going to do it for this episode, I guess, then. Yeah. We've, We've gone almost an hour. Good. Jansen's the greatest. Jansen doesn't wear out in bed. God. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I can't deny it. It's true. <laughs> oh, geez. Mic drop. I can't, I can't believe I'm going to put the explicit tag on the on this episode of the season with Jacob Bovier. For that. Are you really? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, what? You never do. If I didn't do that for the Switch podcast where I made that lewd one-two switch joke, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it for this one. (laughs) Lewd. Lewd. It's just going to become erotic again. (laughs) God. That's an inside joke no one's going to get. Yep. All right. We're done. We're done. (laughs) I hope you love us. Uh, Go check out season. Checker.com. SAC.cool. I guess a bit of housekeeping. You can go find the mainline Season Anime Checkup podcast now on the website itself. That's the new home of that. There are iTunes and Google Play links for that if you want to subscribe to all that fun stuff. And also, you know, uh, iTunes, Google Play links for this podcast as well if you want to subscribe to that and make it easier on you instead of going to the website. If, you know, whatever fits your boat. Uh, and then we I did a little bit of, like, changing logos in here and there. So, like, they're... They're both uniform now with each other. For so both podcasts, you'll know you know our branding. You'll know it's one of Yay. our podcasts. Uh, so yeah, go find all that stuff. Go check out the back back catalog, not back catalog <laughs> of this podcast. If you want to hear us talk about other games or whatnot, go follow Anladium at anladium.com. Yep. Do you want to plug your thing, or do you think you'll have it done by Saturday? 
Um, I, I mean, eventually there's going to be a great, great piece about Final Fantasy X-2 it's a great game. on my website. It is a great game, and it's it's a reevaluation of Final Fantasy X-2 that I'm writing up um, right now. I, I probably will have it done by Saturday, so... Um, so it'll be at nladium.com. Um, you'll also see it um, out. My Twitter will tweet out a link to it. Um, that's at nladium. So, uh, yeah, Final Fantasy X-2, if you're interested in a, a reevaluation, a reassessment, and a, a interesting perspective, if you will, if you actually think that my perspectives are interesting, then uh, check it out. All about that red meat. Oh, my God. That's a teaser for you. <laughs> It will make sense when it you will. read it, but yes, that red meat. Where is the red meat? <laughs> also, like I, I've written about that game as well, and I, I did a piece about that and Final Fantasy Mystic Quest about games that get a bad rap in the Final Fantasy lineage. So if you want to check that out, SCC.com. Which you played both. Which you did make me play both, and I'm very grateful for it. <laughs> so if you want to go read that and have that be your prep piece for for Miss Anladium's piece, you know, you could go do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode. Episode number eight. We're almost at double digits. Holy cow. We're getting there. Uh, maybe we'll be back next week. I don't know. Depends if we yeah. if, uh, if I or we do an episode and I put it up between now and the, pre- the next weekend. So if so, look forward to that. If not, look forward to whenever the next episode goes up. Like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends, all that good stuff. And I guess we'll see you next time.